0: to telling the tale i'm your host mitchell farley wolf and with us as always is other host dustin jackson
1: yo 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 give up the rock
0: give up okay (laughs) and with us additionally is a very special guest i'm so excited to have you here he is the director of today's telltale episode and a co-worker of mine didn't realize we were working together or i did know we were working together didn't realize that You were the director of an upcoming episode until very recently, but we're so glad to have you on Varum Antonian. Hey,
2: guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Happy to be uh, on your show.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Today we'll be talking about Minecraft Story Mode, Season 1, Episode 8, A Journey's End? With a question mark, A Journey's uh, (laughs) End? Released on September 13th, 2016, directed by Varum Antonian designed by Matt Ulmer and Brian Frayermuth, written by Eric Sterp, Yale Hannon, and Erica Harrell, or Harrell. I could ask you, actually. I usually just leave it at, I don't know how to pronounce it, but how do you pronounce that last name? You literally pronounced everybody's
2: name wrong, but that's uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Did I really? Uh, I, I believe it.
0: <laughs> no, I believe it's Erica. Actually, yeah,
2: okay. I, I'm and I apologize to her, but I... I think it's Eric and Harold, and it's at Eric
0: Sturpee. Is uh, Is it really? Okay. That one we've guess. been saying a lot, actually. Whoops. That, uh, okay. <laughs> Eric Sturpee. I got your back, Eric. You're listening. Well, thank you so much for putting us in our place. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a big episode for multiple reasons, in addition to having you here. This is us concluding the first season of Minecraft Story Mode, which I believe is the... Uh, longest amount of time we've ever spent with a single telltale season if dustin if you you can correct me if that's wrong but i believe that's the case
1: that sounds right to me i can't think of any that have gone longer
0: yeah just just because we've uh we've taken more breaks between episodes for, for just a certain amounts of, of reasons that are not worth getting into so much um but yeah, we're we're reaching the end of Minecraft Story Mode season 1. Where we are at the end of Minecraft Story Mode season 1, and I wanted to throw to you Varm. How do you feel about the story of this game that you worked on? The episode specifically or the whole season? The the episode specifically uh first, but the the season in general, I suppose also.
2: Um, yeah, as far as the episode goes, you know, it was, uh, at first when, when the idea was, was sort of pitched of like, Hey, it's going to be this American gladiators and, you know, running man kind of, uh, trope action story. I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, as things got tightened up, uh, it actually, yeah, can you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of fun in there and a lot of, you know, I thought it was a, a good way to sort of wrap up wrap up the story um it uh overall the uh the season you know i, I think it, as you kind of were referencing it, i mean it, it was kind of long eight episodes counting the adventure pack but i think it was a, a, a clever idea to sort of go with the you know one-off uh standalone uh format for the for the last four episodes just because you know it, it sort of uh, allowed so many so many universes to be brought in and also like aspects of minecraft kind of like we saw in this episode where there's um you know games i guess mm-hmm. I don't want, we'll talk about this more later i guess but uh um actual user created content that you know we paid homage to um so yeah i think uh a roundabout way of saying that you know i, I thought we we did service you know to uh to the, the essence, I guess, of Minecraft, while well, making a compelling story. Um, and hopefully a lot of kids liked it.
0: Yeah, I um, I, I have played some spleef uh, in my limited uh, uh, amount of time playing Minecraft proper. I, I don't have so much experience with the uh, proper Minecraft game. Dustin, you ever play some spleef?
1: I've never once touched a spleef, but it, it felt like such... I wasn't sure at first if this was like something made just for this or if it came from uh, Minecraft itself, but it felt like so, so specific a name that I figured it had to be. <laughs>
2: yeah, who would make up a name like that? Uh, <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I, I looked it up, and it looks like it is a combination of the words sport and grief. Um, I don't know where the I... L comes from. <laughs> Just makes it more fun to say. It does yeah, speef is actually not good to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> to throw an
1: L in there, then you got something.
0: Got to got to throw yeah. an L in there, and that it was it yeah. was created by fans originally, so it wasn't uh, initially part of the official package, but has since become part of the official package of Minecraft. So it, that's it's, awesome. Uh, yeah, one of, one of many things that have sort of uh, graduated from fan communities to official mods to official parts of the game. And now referenced in Minecraft Story Mode. Well not now, I guess the game is uh a few years old at this point, but we are now getting to it in Minecraft Story Mode. It it, it is cool to see. And uh you, you mentioned there the um uh, the one off arc of this season, where every episode is a different arc. I think Dustin and I have talked a little bit about this in the past um just just liking it a lot more more maybe than the uh first arc which is a, a more self-contained uh serialized story this this second arc is more episodic and every world is different uh what was the thinking going on in, in, into separating the season like that um i you know i think it was after the
2: initial launch of the season was uh more successful than than i think telltale anticipated and they're like wow they sold millions of copies of this um and i think honestly it was just to get more create more content out there and you know give people what they wanted in between a season one and a season two um so you you could say it was just sort of you know capitalizing on on riding the wave the story mode wave
0: yeah i mean that that makes a lot of sense to me um i i think we had a a, a brief debate over whether or not the initial four episodes that are are the the witherstorm arc all containing the witherstorm arc were they always intended to be just those four and then the fifth was something different or was there at any point in development um, all five of the initial planned episodes were going to be the full arc, and then all of what happened in episode five, six, seven, and eight were were additional onto that?
2: That's a good question, honestly, and I don't know if I could tell you. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the decision to sort of you know, make five open-ended to you know introduce another um, series was something done along the way, like after the fact of uh, after we we developed you know the first episode of Minecraft. So that was one thing at, at Telltale that um, you know the the nature of the speed in which we made these episodes and these seasons, um, uh, and the fact that we, <laughs> for better or for worse um were releasing the episodes after making them each time instead of you know creating a whole season and releasing it. It really allowed uh the studio to sort of pivot and um and and get uh, fan incorporate like fan feedback um and and make changes along the way about like oh this is not a popular decision or this isn't landing let's let's change it up um so I'm pretty sure this was a reaction just to the, uh, like, as I mentioned, like the success of how much it was selling and they're like, let's, you know, open it up to more episodes.
0: Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. The idea that, um, these episodes are in flux, not just in, in terms of polish, but in terms of writing and, and the overarching, uh, story connecting all of them right until each of them is released that I have to imagine that was extremely stressful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Things moved in incredibly fast. Um and yeah,
2: but you know, like, yeah, like I mean, now many studios out there can say that, you know, they they literally listen or watch people's playthroughs and <laughs> change the game accordingly. Uh, so I think that was kind of a special uh advantage.
0: Yeah, it seems like um I've been watching some of the uh pre-release Stuff that the new Telltale company has been putting out about their game, The Expanse, and how uh, with both The Expanse and The Wolf Among Us Two, they plan on having the entire game done before Episode One comes uh, comes out, minus probably some some uh, polish and bug fixing, I, I imagine. But um, it, just in a in an effort to not run into crunch or, or, or things of that nature. Uh, and, and I have to imagine that this is a pretty hard pivot compared to where the studio was around the time period that this game was coming out, or um a, a, other games, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or Game of Thrones, or, or around this immediate post-Walking Dead era for Telltale.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, from my, during my long run at Telltale, that certainly that never happened um towards the end with uh, the studios under new leadership however that was that became um the of the shift in strategy to do just that um so a couple of uh games that you know ended up obviously um getting shut down as the studio did um like uh the Stranger Things game which i was i was directing on and we we were pretty far into development That one was, we were working on the entire season uh, all at once. Um, As was, uh, at the time, what was going to be uh, Wolf Among Us 2 was also sort of designing and writing the whole season. Um, But, uh, yeah, alas.
0: Alas. Were were you on uh, the original Wolf Among
2: Us 2? Um... I, I was not uh part of that project so
0: I see because uh i I believe you 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 uh were telling me before how you were on uh the original wolf among us right and, yeah uh, what was your first game with telltale um I when I was
2: starting out I think. I, I helped. I was helping with uh, Salmon Max uh, season three. I think it was like the last episode five, and and also right around that time, um, we were making uh, Nelson, the Puzzle Agent game, Nelson Tethers. Those are two so of I our the,
0: favorites here on the, yeah. On the podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, as as a my first <laughs> week, but I was like, all right, I'm doing something.
0: That's yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's that's always how it goes. Um so let let's head into the episode a little bit. I have a lot more questions for you. I hope that I don't bore you with them. Um uh, we we've just been so fascinated with how these episodes are developed as apart from any other mainstream video game development. So it's it's great having this insight. Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: no, I'm absolutely happy to uh, happy to share. Um you guys have, you know, from Listening to some of your episodes, I mean I feel like you guys have got a you know, a fairly good, you know, pulse on uh idea of of the games, the nature of the games themselves and some some of uh you know, some of some of your 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 theories, I guess, on, on why decisions were made there are pretty educated theories. So. <laughs> so we've got
0: a good pulse. Oh, yes, good yeah. that's what
1: I was hoping for. That's the one You're thing I want.
2: You're on you're on the telltale you're getting too
0: close <laughs> <laughs> um so actually w- one question I, I did have at the very beginning of the episode we uh, as, as we typically do we see a credits intro scroll with uh, the name of the d- director in in this case it's you the name of some of the writers and some of the designers, and then it'll say a, a telltale story or, 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 or a telltale game by Brian Frayermuth and Eric Stirpe, uh, who is not named Eric Sturpe. I know this now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's different than what it says at the end of the episode. And I've noticed this about a lot of telltale games. Um, the The intro sort of scroll of, of the uh, hierarchy of people's names and positions in the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode seem to be different. Um, what is the breakdown of leadership on a Telltale episode? You said earlier that uh, this this episode's idea was pitched to you as the director. How does that work?
2: Um. Yeah, so the... I guess typically the the credit sequence at the beginning of the game um lists the the leads uh um lead writer there's i mean we depending on each uh project uh they they often have a slightly different structure but typically there's an executive producer who's sort of uh you know the showrunner to speak so to speak and there may we may or may not have had uh creative directors um and uh then there's typically a, a lead writer for each episode um some seasons we may have had a, a supervising lead writer who was kind of you know overseeing the whole the whole season um and each lead writer on episode would sort of be um working under that lead writer um and s- similarly with, uh, with uh, designers as well. There may, there may be a lead designer and other um, supporting designers, uh, narrative designers who will be working under them. Um, but in, in the case of this one and a lot of other projects, uh, the, uh, the, the team sort of... There's like a rotation. So let's say the uh, team that was leading and writing the first episode Uh, they would then, upon conclusion, because while they were doing that, uh, the creative team would start on episode two. Um, so you have like a different lineup for that, and then the team that led episode one might go with then be the you know episode three or four team, and then you know the episode two team would be the episode four team, and so there's kind of like a rotation um, as they're completing each episode, Um, and as a director you know cinematic director um sort of you know you roll on uh usually coming off of another episode or another project um and uh usually there's a, a story treatment already underway um and then the director joins on you know to sort of help um help tighten things up uh you know I do table reads um and a lot of take on a lot of the uh like sort of the set piece action scenes and such like those were uh typically all um designed and choreographed you know by the by the cinematics uh leadership um so kind of collaborating with the writers on that um so yeah like in this case by the time when i rolled on uh they had just kind of come up i think they, they they tossed around a few different ideas for the theme of, of this episode and then they kinda landed on that, you know, uh when it was kind of like the PowerPoint slide stage of, you know, we're gonna do this sort of tournament and competition, American Gladiators thing. Um that's why I was kind of initially taken aback because I wasn't familiar, you know, I hadn't seen the, the entire script uh underway yet. So um yeah, that's sort of typically how things worked.
0: Interesting. So um I, I think that we have a cultural, a culturally donated perception of what a film or television director does. In the case of a single episode like this, of a video game, what is the job of a director on a day-to-day basis? The uh, cinematic director, I uh, guess.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the... Uh, we called it the choreography or cinematic department um actually wore a lot of hats on these games um and uh so the director was essentially uh sort of adapting the uh the script that the writers had um and adding uh kind of going through with like a you know fine-tooth comb and um breaking things up adding director notes all along the way um help for to help inform uh, both VO recording and also um, inform animation leads who would also be going through and marking, you know, what we need to what performance you know needed to be recorded. Or and, and in Telltale's case, as you could tell, it was largely all keyframe animation. Um, and so uh, the director would also be working with um, the environment team to, you know uh oversee sort of help make decisions on the uh the levels and the maps and the environments and um because it would be it was also uh the cinematic artists working with programmers who would be setting up like the the free walks and the navigation cameras and such and the interacts and um it's very you know as you could tell like cinematic driven oh, game yeah. and, our t- and our tools were all geared towards creating cinematics um uh which and it was very it was a very powerful sort of a lot of tools we had were kind of industry leading in that regard i kind of missed those as you know working in cinematics now sure, on the yeah. <laughs> projects i'm like yeah man it was so easy back then um, <laughs> wow but, uh, yeah and so the director i mean on top of all that then there, you know as you would imagine um just reviewing um and sort of overseeing everything coming together with all the all the all the content the cinematics the interactions there our narrative designers I mean it depended on pro- for project to project but um they were they were more closely aligned with like you could say with with the writing as a function so it was kind of everything was kind of handed off to uh the cinematic teams or you know they're the ones kind of working with the engine and, and creating the content Cool, Dustin,
0: do you think you'd want to be a director?
1: Oh, boy. I have hard enough time doing this podcast.
0: You could direct a pod... You, you want to get the next one? The next episode? I'll... You could direct it.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let me be in charge of the next one. We'll see how it turns out.
0: You could be in charge of this one, I, I think. You, could, <laughs> you got it. If you want it.
1: Thanks, man. I, I appreciate the confidence.
0: Well, Dustin, what happens in this episode?
1: So in this episode,
0: you're in charge now. <laughs> oh, I'm in
1: charge.
2: Yeah. You're, uh,
0: oh, crap, you're right.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, so Jesse and his friends go to. Uh, they're, they're led by Harper to a realm where the old builders are in order to find the Atlas and go home. But they're plunged into a battle arena of sorts where uh, people just straight up die.
0: By the way, speaking of Harper, uh, we spoke last episode about how she's voiced by Yvette Nicole Brown. Did you get to work directly with uh, Yvette Nicole Brown?
2: I unfortunately uh, did not uh, have that pleasure of uh, sitting in on her on her vo. Um, I did some of the other artists though, like you know, what I mean, sat in on a little bit of uh, Patton Oswald and uh, um, Jim Cummings who. Uh, did the voice of uh, Adrian in this episode? Fun fact: you, uh, you very prolific uh, actor, oh, yeah. all kinds of cartoons, but uh, notably the voice of Darkwing Duck. Um, oh
1: my favorite!
2: Uh,
0: one of my <laughs> favorite ducks.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> at least in the top ten.
2: Yes, and uh, also not the only uh, one from that realm. Um, Terry McGovern. Uh, also did uh, voices for a lot a number of our games, and he was the voice of uh, Launchpad McQuack from both yeah. DuckTales and Darkwing
0: Ducks. So. Another top a, ten duck, for sure.
2: A telltale oh, yeah. regular.
0: I can't yeah, think a of wonder... a duck that's not in my top ten ducks, but those are solidly <laughs> in my top ten ducks.
2: It's a wonder we never did a DuckTales or Darkwing Duck game. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wish. Cool. That'd be great. <laughs> I was it was right in our nose the whole time (laughs) yeah actually sorry another brief detour dustin and i have uh come up with a lot of other licenses that we think would be cool to have a telltale game made of them uh can we pitch you some and, and and you can tell us out of 10 how good of a telltale game you think they'd be sure why not um dustin you got one
1: uh, so the first one that comes to mind for me is Futurama.
0: <laughs> oh man, that would have been an amazing Telltale series. Futurama, I yeah, I, I think I f- think Futurama would be great. Uh, I think Scooby-Doo would be yeah. pretty, pretty good, depending on uh, how inventive you want to get with your... I mean, everyone's doing their own Scooby-Doo takes, but this right. would be another take. <laughs> yeah,
2: um... The, you know uh, I feel a little less uh, excited about that than okay I do the first. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay I mean like, that's, that's how you know you cared about the first one though so we appreciate the honesty
2: I could see the uh the you know solve the mystery aspect after a while getting a little you know challenging to uh to make feel fresh or exciting not fall into the same formula, so for that reason right
0: <laughs> for that reason we're out okay okay uh, <laughs> Well speaking of mystery, here's another mystery based one. Um but but maybe a, a little more serial in nature. Uh Knives Out, The Benoit Blanc, Knives um, Out and Glass Onion. If you've seen um, those movies. Yes, yes. Uh
2: yeah, you know, um I I I I think there's a lot of being there for like sort of puzzles uh incorporating that into into the game, so I think that could be um, which I feel like uh, over over time, uh, Telltale games sort of that 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 became less uh part of the uh, you know with less emphasized in the, in the content as as it was in our early games for for valid reasons. Um, but I think with that one, I think you'd have the opportunity to bring back a lot of uh, head scratching puzzles. So I could see that.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I think for uh, for Dustin and I, we both came on. Uh, the Telltale scene during the Salmon Max, like the the earlier Salmon Max runs, uh, so I I think we have a a stronger puzzle connection than narrative. Wow. Sometimes, depending on depending on the game, we 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 both also love uh, right. the Walking Dead and, and such. Um, Dustin, you got any more?
1: Uh, I don't actually. Futurama and Scooby Doo were the two.
0: <laughs> um, I, I, I remember I'm, I'm sure one. I have others that are
1: just aren't coming to mind. Oh, well, The other you? one
0: we've talked about before is Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, um, just a, a game that very strongly uses its uh, it, just conversation and narrative um, could potentially have been done with a different sense of humor under the Telltale right. banner. A different, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not, not familiar with that one, unfortunately, but, but oh, I really you. Really? yeah it's one of those uh one of those late 90s early 2000s um very edgy humor type of video games that does not survive <laughs> I-, I think a modern look um but w- was important in its time for being that kind of thing in a video game uh made by rare originally i mm. will
2: have to uh Check that
0: one out. So I think, I think we, we landed hottest on Futurama. That was the, the winner? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Love that. Yeah, okay. Well, do, yeah. Well, we'll do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad that's settled.
0: Uh, Dustin, uh, what happens next in the game?
1: Um. So you're thrown into this arena where you meet uh, the old builders. You meet up with the old builders uh, Mevia, Hadrian, and Otto. And uh, they... Well, so Jesse wants to strike a deal with them to get them home. Uh, They want to have the Atlas. The old builders don't want to give up the Atlas. Uh, So they are sent back to town where the other uh, competitors are. Uh, and, uh, you know, meet up with some of the various colorful people. Uh, I I really love the characters in this episode. Like, all of the new people you meet up with in, in this yeah. episode are just very strong personalities.
0: Yeah, it, it, I definitely get the feeling that we're not going to continue hanging out with them into Season 2, but uh, I wouldn't be upset if we were. I, I liked M a lot, one of the uh, main competitors of, of your time. Yeah. I liked Hadrian as a villain. He's just like a slimy, uh, sneaky little guy.
1: Yeah, I, I love. I know we already talked about uh, Jim Cummings voicing him, but I thought he was a great pick since he's already pretty uh, well versed in voicing villains. He was. Uh, he played Doctor Robotnik in one of the uh, Sonic cartoons and did a great job of that. He just has a good voice for it.
0: He does for sure. He does. Um, this is the first time we see the world of the old builders. And I i have to say, it's not what I expected the old builders were going to be. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure what I expected the old builders were going to be, but these are some, uh... it's interesting that you said American gladiator. My, my mind went to uh, maybe hunger games or, or like a battle Royale sort of thing. Yeah. Definitely. Another yeah, reference for sure. Yeah. Uh, th- I, I love the sports angle in a game that is not like a sports game. That, that's a, uh, a a favorite trope of mine. Just locker room discussions. That one scene where M is talking to you and she's saying, Hey, you know, if we can work together, we might be able to take on more of the gladiators. But you don't really get a sense of whether or not you can trust her.
1: Yeah, love that.
0: Yeah, that stuff's good. Justin, did you choose to trust M?
1: Oh, I chose to trust M. All right, and I guess it uh, bit me in the ass later. But oh, okay,
0: uh, I didn't. So, uh, so what happened?
1: Uh, so if you trust M, uh, Jesse's like, oh yeah, that sounds good. We'll we'll uh, team up and work together. And uh, Petra's like, uh, that's probably not a good idea. And then it turns out she was right because M just uh, straight up betrays you later. She like uh, hits you in the leg and knocks you over and uh, gets a head start.
0: Oh okay, interesting. Um, on on my game, I didn't trust M, and she just ran past the gladiators, and the gladiators didn't pay attention to her at all. And it was sort of uh, revealed in that moment that M had some sort of connection with the game runners and was plotting behind your back anyway. So right, yeah, it it, it was not good to trust M in that moment. I, I suppose I win, Dustin. I made the good call.
1: You're right. You, you have the most points in this episode so far.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, I'm going to win at back. podcast, which is something that is both possible to do and normal to want. Your
2: lack of faith in humanity uh, paid off in that instance, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, ooh, yeah. So so you, you go through all of these um, games where there are combat uh combatitor um uh, deaths but they don't die for good they respawn um just outside of the uh, of the game zone and they they're called dirty respawns which I took personally but, uh, <laughs> I respawn not. a lot yeah uh it seemed aggressive very aggressive and you're given a chance to save either Lucas or Pet or sorry not Lucas it's either Ivor or Petra during the spleef match at the beginning of the game that's another good choice um and Lucas tries to save the other one and whichever one you don't choose Lucas and that one uh respawn and you're without them for most of the competition
1: right um I thought this was great I like yeah. they killed them off pretty early in the episode and I knew like if they're doing that this early there's no way it's real i'm glad they finally brought in the respawn mechanic i I was feeling like that was something kind of missing especially from the like murder mystery episode
0: that's a good point huh in the murder mystery episode i wonder if there was some sort of um element of being able to come back from that
1: yeah i i I mean, there's there's no way to know this, but I like the idea that uh, you go through this whole murder mystery, and all of these people are dying, and you just think they're dead forever, and then it turned out they just like respawned elsewhere.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's death in real life, though. Too, we we can't know that's that. true.
1: Hmm.
0: You Something just to think respawned. about. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. Well,
2: I'm curious who you, uh, you gentlemen chose to save
0: in, the, in that battle. So, I saw, I saved Petra. I also saved Petra. I, I imagine, I kind of had a feeling we would both save Petra. Um, yeah,
1: Ivor's really grown on me as a character, but, you know, not as much as, still hasn't reached Petra levels.
0: Yeah, we've, <laughs> I think we've talked in the past about how we don't really trust Ivor still, and, uh. We'll, we'll we'll save him if it doesn't cost much, but I don't think we're going to save him in favor of saving one of our uh, or or instead of saving one of our good friends.
1: Yeah, he's not he's not going to be a first
2: pick. <laughs>
0: he has a bit of a, of a loose cannon, yes. But I'm glad you
2: both saved Petra because you got to uh, witness uh, my favorite things about that this episode. Um, if you notice, Igor post respawn after he uh, lost a few things <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh i love yeah. it
0: um he so i've when you respawn you're sent to the mines in the nether to just toil and work i guess forever and uh when ivor comes back he comes back naked for the rest of the episode he's got some some boxers and a and a t-shirt and a white t-shirt it breathes yeah, no. well he said yes, yes.
2: That that was uh, probably the thing I'm most proud of. That was actually uh, my uh, my idea that I pitched to. Uh, I was like, "Can we please have Ivor in underwear?" Uh, <laughs> I worked with our our character art lead about. Uh, he was like, "What kind of underwear?" And, and I was like, "Old time in
0: underwear." <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what I meant.
2: Ivor would have, of course.
1: What underwear really screams, Ivor? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's an inspired choice. I'm not sure if, in the American Gladiator vibe of it all, my mind would be as flexible as that to um, happen to be able to pitch clothless Ivor. That's that's some good stuff. Congratulations on everything! Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: and uh, our, yeah, wonderful writer Eric Sterpi. You know he. He nailed it with uh yes, the breathes
0: as well. But those lines uh, said. So. I I think what, what's great about that is that Lucas did not feel that this was important for him to do. This was an Ivor specific behavior action.
1: He made the choice.
0: Yeah, he did make that choice. So so Petra does not do this if Petra responds. That makes sense. <laughs> <It> <laughs> no, she would her not. Style. No, she's way too cool for that. Yeah, way too cool for that. I, I wouldn't have expected Ivor to do it either, but I, I think it, it just makes a lot of sense seeing it play out. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite things about this episode is that while you're training for the games, while you're uh, hanging out with all the other competitors in the, like, Athletes Square, you see all these posters and statues of a character named Tim and everyone just loves Tim. He's the greatest athlete of all time. He took on all the um gladiators at once. He carried his entire team across the finish line. But it turns out that Tim never actually existed and he only was shown as a uh, as a beacon of hope that competitors might have that they could possibly win the games cuz it's been done before. I love that that through line. That's I, I connected with that a lot. Uh I I wondered if we would see Tim, but you know if, if it was revealed he was uh he was fake. Dustin, did you predict that Tim was not real?
1: I did not predict that Tim was not real. I I didn't think we'd see him. Uh like they make it pretty apparent early on they were saying uh you know, Tim's the one who made it out, man. Tim's Tim's great. Uh, so I didn't think we'd be seeing him, but I did not uh, put the pieces together.
0: I especially liked the uh, frequent usage of the word "Tim" as an adjective, of like, "Oh, Jesse, that's pretty Tim of you." It's <laughs> so Tim. It's so Tim. You
2: don't you don't say that in in your day to day.
0: Yeah, no. I'm gonna I'm, start now. I do. Yeah. yeah. If someone wins <laughs> any kind of sport, I'm gonna be like. Dude, that was Tim AF. The and they'll site. respond
1: with, oh, like off of Minecraft story mode, season one, episode eight.
0: I think they will, yeah. Um, so, uh, after, shortly after it's revealed that Tim was never a real character, we see that Hadrian, um, the, the old builder in charge of it all, played by Jim Cummings, um, uh, he, he has kidnapped... Axel and Olivia from our reality, and he's trying to just game the system. We had this this deal of, like, oh, if we could win the games, we will receive uh, the, the, what's it called, the Atlas to go home, which is all we want. We, we, I feel like it's a really low bar what we're asking for, and they just don't want to play ball at all.
1: Yeah, especially since later, uh, hadrian's like look we just want you out of here we like you why yeah. don't you just like quietly leave the game i feel like it would benefit everybody to let them go home
0: yeah he wants us out of here but like we can't just all go he, we, yeah. he has to keep one of us he's just too busy being an arch villain to uh,
1: he needs more mine workers
0: how his strategy is really not working it's his hubris he's a hubrical character Hubrical? yeah i think that's the word Sure, that would be a
2: good, good descriptor. He can't. Uh, yeah, you know, he can't, he's not content with a small wing. He wants he wants everything. He wants well, he world. also
1: wants the uh, the redstone heart that Jesse has.
0: He does. So there is, is something
1: in it for him.
0: Oh, there was an option earlier in the episode, like right after they meet for the first time, where you can offer something to Hadrian in exchange for the Atlas, because you the Atlas is the thing that gets you home and uh you can show him the redstone heart is that what you showed him dustin uh
1: so i started by showing him the uh flint and steel first and he was like uh yeah uh, we all have that so
0: <laughs> that, that i didn't try that. that that makes sense i tried to show him the pumpkin first ooh what do you say to that um he uh okay so he like knows of cassie rose but it didn't but seem like it was very important to him, or okay. that she was very important to him. Um She's just one of the old builders, and that's fine. Like it's just a uh, that's a just fine. Yeah, it's just fine. Um, he didn't want it. He wanted the heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's...
2: yeah. I was gonna say the one the one thing he didn't
0: already have. I guess a heart. Whoa. Ooh. That's good. That's that's good writing.
1: Straight to the top, kid.
0: <laughs> straight straight to the top. <laughs> Best in the biz. Um <laughs> I I love the decision later on when you're trying to rally the troops, like all you're trying to convince everyone to um betray the rules of the game and like work together. And you have the choice to either tell everyone that Tim isn't real or to just let them continue living the fantasy. And while you're given that choice, someone in the audience says, if it weren't for Tim, I probably would have given up a long time ago. I love Tim. It's the only (laughs) thing that matters to me. And then you can still choose like, Oh no, he's not real though. What did what did you choose? I chose to continue living the lie.
1: Interesting. I chose to tell them that he wasn't real.
0: Ooh. Okay. Okay, what happened? J-
1: just be- just because I figured, like, if I don't tell him now, something could happen to bite me in the ass later. Uh, and I-, I don't know if it does or not, but... Uh, so if you tell them he's not real, then that does make some people in the audience just immediately not interested in what you have to say like oh wow at what i was done with jesse's speech the reaction was very lukewarm
0: hmm. uh varum how, how do you feel about players having this decision to to dissolve the uh the t- determination of your fellow man and woman so easily yeah you know to me like that was the
2: most fascinating choice in the episode um just because of, yeah, the, you know, the the ramifications uh, uh, behind it, you know, and how it would literally affect everybody. I I thought it was a good sort of something great to put on the player. Um, I personally don't know which one I would have chose, um, but you could see sort of obviously valid reasons for both, which is what makes it a powerful choice. Um, But I'm pretty sure no matter which direction you went, you're you were gonna lose some people, and you know along the way. So, um, for one reason or another, uh, I think you know Jesse can't win everybody over. It's 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 one of those situations.
0: It's it's interesting because I feel that this is is uh, this is something of a mirror of the choice that you make at the end of episode four where you're in front of the big audience having just saved everyone from the Witherstorm, and you are choosing whether or not you want to tell them that the Order of the Stone, the original Order of the Stone, including Gabriel and company, were cheating the whole time using the command block. And in that instance, I did tell everyone that they were fake. But for some reason in this instance, I was okay letting them believe in Tim.
1: Do you think maybe it's just because the outcome was staring you in and like yeah that person's saying that the only reason I'm still going is because of Tim. Do you think having that like right in front of you made you be more like, well, maybe maybe it doesn't hurt.
0: I I think that person did steer me a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um they definitely seem to be uh, um aggressively fans of Tim. Yeah, those
2: uh that the, the ensemble cast uh dialogue the writing on this the episode i felt like was was really great um and again credit to uh eric Sturpe, our, he our writer who, he really came together throughout the whole uh, series he kind of you know uh sort of assumed uh lead status and he was just kind of this was him flexing his muscles on this episode just so much hilarious content in here
1: Definitely, uh, we we brought up uh, a few episodes back how uh, it, it felt like as the episodes went, the writing really got stronger and stronger, uh, funnier and funnier, which was uh, appreciated.
2: Yeah, you know when I will say uh, when Minecraft this this whole project was being developed early, you know it was initially it was coming off of um, the studio had completed you know The Walking Dead and. Um. Initially, there was an angle that was being prototyped of sort of a almost like a dark sort of uh, direction or a tone for the for the season and the story with almost like realistic sort of high stakes moments with like almost a horror movie esque with you know creepers you could imagine uh, yeah you know replace walkers with creepers and um, then it's sort of wisely. creative studio leadership kind of pivoted towards like, let's go in the direction of making this a fun Goonies sort of uh, thing. And so, uh, yeah. And as you said, as, as things went along, I think they went further and further into
0: that, um, into that
2: realm.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. I I think in that first, the the first four episode arc about the Witherstorm, I think a lot of that (laughs) survives and you can kind of feel that, Oh, it's like what they were doing with The Walking Dead, but in a way that might be more palatable to children. Um but then as soon as you get into the the second arc and really with that episode six, the one with the the YouTubers where, where they do the, the murder mystery, it's this very fun tone where people are are dying and like forever murdered in cold blood in front of you. But it, it it's somehow done in a way that is uh, very playful. And, yeah, and humorous the whole time, without killing the stakes. It it, it the the it really suits the uh, IP, but the stakes are kept high. Uh, it's done done quite well, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like an intense cartoon, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, it, it does have the feeling of of something in the Adventure Zone ish canon. Of we can get very silly, but we can also. Drill down on yeah, death can be permanent and sad, and things of that nature are going to matter.
1: You always feel the the weight of it, even if it's done in a, a playful way.
0: Adventure Zone might be another another candidate for a Telltale series. By the way, now that we're bringing it up,
2: <laughs> what wouldn't like a Telltale series? You know? that's yeah, that's true. I guess
0: that's true. <laughs> <laughs> <Great. Okay. laughs>
2: Any uh, license
0: material? Yeah, uh, I, I, every every time a, a a murder mystery kind of thing comes out, I'm thinking, well, oh, that's a, that's a telltale series. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: as the episode as progresses, we we get to the end, and we eventually convince everyone to work together to not just choose not to fight each other, and choose not to fight the gladiators, and from those choices. Uh, we, we can subvert the expectations of the game runners and walk away with the prize after a climactic fight with Nevia and Hadrian. And then we get to go home. We're, we're, we're going home and at the very end we, we have a great post-credit sequence. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe any of the other episodes have a post-credit sequence where we see Hadrian and, and Nevia in the um, they are enacting the choice of would you rather fight 100 duck-sized zombies or, or zombie-sized duck, ducks.
1: Good and, callback.
0: Uh, yeah, great callback yeah. to the episode All 1. All the way back kind to, of to that. the very first choice
2: in episode 1, yeah. yeah.
0: So in my game, they were zombies the size of chickens. Uh, it's chickens, not ducks. Dustin, um, did you pick the other one?
1: Uh, no, I, I picked the one with the chickens.
0: Oh, that is the other one. So mine, mine were, sorry, I meant to say chicken sized zombies. So they were, they were fighting zombies in my game.
1: Oh, for, so for me, it was a bunch of chickens.
0: Good, good. That's, that's very cool that that matters. Yeah. Zombie sized chickens. Yes. Um, here's, here's something I wanted to ask about, um, in every place that you go in this arc, you find a book written by Soren. I then looked this up to see if there were any references. I shouldn't have done this. I was getting ahead of myself. But I was looking up in uh, Season 2 of Minecraft to see where the old builders expanded on. Are, are we going to find out more about the old builders? And... Uh, the wiki says no. The, the wiki says we're actually done with the old builder arc. Um, I, I was wondering if there were there was ever planned to be more done with like what the old builders are or who they are, what their goals like outside of Hadrian's immediate posse were. It seems like a larger um, concept. Um,
2: yeah uh I would agree but uh to my knowledge yeah that was always meant to be sort of the end I mean we had introduced new new antagonists for uh season two um I'm not sure the decision why but uh yeah okay looking
0: forward to it I am looking forward yeah. to it
2: yeah and some some other choices at the end of this one too once you're in the room of portals that I thought was interesting of you know uh yeah I've worked since I'm such an Ivor fan uh, there's that moment when he's watching Harper, sort of, almost creepy, like, and you, you get the choices Jesse to sort of, you know, walk him over to talk to her I, I or not. I don't know how you guys felt about that moment or
0: how you played it. Yeah, um, that's that is a great choice, uh, Dustin. What did you do?
1: Oh, I walked him over. <laughs> I felt like it was only fair to say goodbye. I thought it was going to lead up to, like, letting him go with her.
0: I kind of thought so, too. Uh, I also chose to walk him over. But I, w- I was torn about it. Because on the one hand, um, we're, we're friends with Ivor now. And Ivor clearly has some sort of affection for Harper. And I think just the friendly push of, come on, go talk to her. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. But also, right. I think Harper is, like, a good person. And Ivor is... Like a really creepy, weird guy, and I actually think <laughs> she shouldn't have to like. She it. can do better. Yeah, she could. She could do better, and I don't. I don't need to push this necessarily. Uh, yeah. So, so there. That was a, a complicated choice, a, a deceptively complicated choice. Really
1: makes you think.
0: Really puts the old ticker on. Yeah. Well, and
2: it makes you wonder too. You know, at the, the very end when uh, Igor. Steals the uh, atlas and heads off. You know, and maybe, maybe he's he's running to Hardworking Oh yeah, that. what what? That's cool.
1: What did you pick for that? Because it it, it kind of lets you choose whether or not you just want to let him go or try to stop him.
0: Yeah. So there were a bunch of treasures that were all very powerful, and I I kind of didn't realize that we had accumulated so much throughout just the, the last four episodes. Yeah, me neither. Uh we we had the crown that I guess if you put the crown on a chicken, that's how it works. Uh, in, in order to make infinite items. Uh we, right. we had the enchanted flint and steel required to hop universes, the uh Atlas required to find your way through those universes, and and some other stuff. The the, the red the redstone heart from Pama, which was probably immensely powerful. And Ivor only took the stuff that allowed him to visit other universes and not become a god because he could have definitely become a god with the other stuff. So I kind of let him slide and I said, I trust him. He's fine.
1: Yeah, that's what I did too because, you know... Even as far as episode five, he was saying how much he wanted to explore and he was really into the uh Flint and Steel. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't see no harm in that.
0: Yeah, it, it does remind me of how we found him in episode five, uh, building the house that spews lava in the middle of town. That's <laughs> one of one of my favorite jokes in the in the whole game of just he's so confused, like, why would I not be allowed to have this? <laughs> <laughs> He's so bewildered. He's bewildered that we've taken issue with it. Yeah, um, a little bit social awkward there, um, but yeah. And you know, Paul Rubens,
2: you know, does does his performance wonderfully. I, I was always a huge Ivor fan.
0: It, I I think I had to warm up to him, but um, in the eight episodes of Ivor, I I have gotten there.
1: Oh, I warmed up to him around episode. I think it is that part with his
0: house. (laughs) That was was really good.
1: That made me be like, you know what, Ivor? You're all right.
0: (laughs) He just can't understand why we don't want him to have lava around. (laughs) People are on fire. And he's like, that was your choice.
1: What's the issue?
0: (laughs) Um. Yeah, so so by the way, uh, a little backstory in, in the way that we've played through the games. Uh, Dustin has been playing through with male Jesse, and I, in an attempt to see other uh, other VO and, and occasionally other uh, writing, have been playing through with female Jesse. And between uh, the ability to change skin tone and gender presentation... And armor choices and weapon choices, there is a huge emphasis on customization uh, uh, of Jesse as a character in this game. And uh, I I guess I just wanted to ask about the creative decisions going into that versus, for example, uh, Clementine or or Bigby Wolf or anything else in the uh, Telltale canon that does not rely as heavily on that kind of stuff. Um, I mean,
2: I think, you know, just by the nature of the, um, material, the license, uh, you know, customization, you know, obviously big part of the Minecraft game, um, you know, naturally, uh, naturally that was something I think that they, you know, the story they, they wanted to lean into, um and yeah it, and it was a sort of that is a big move to you know have a complete different uh you know voice uh, actors or uh you know have to record everything twice um yeah uh, i think i think it's it's really a, a cool mm-hmm. move though personally by its studio um i wish more games gave you that that level of, uh, of option um but you know from a from a animation asset Producibility perspective, <laughs> it was literally the same animation, just you know, different uh, different meshes swapped in there in, in vo. Um, so uh, it it did actually didn't end up creating that much more work to support.
0: That's a great point. I actually hadn't considered that all of the armor is kind of the same on a on a <laughs> mesh level. Um, th- there might be shoulder pads that that push it out a little bit. But yeah, that that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, if you don't have to do something like making a new model, why would you ever not do that?
2: Right, Sprite is very forgiving. The boxy art style, of pixelated, very of graphic. You know? Yeah, yeah. Manage the freedoms that it.
0: <laughs> yeah, because Jesse, as a character, is a lot more of a um, not not in any kind of derogatory way, but more of a blank slate compared to a character like Lee or Clementine or Bigby who have um, very defined personalities and, and a lot of specific backstory that, yeah, exactly. yeah it, it might lean more toward customization than other games. Uh, so, so that that's a great Minecraft. It, 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 when, when it was first announced, I think I was taken aback by it because it just, Seems so untelltaily. It's it seems so uh, unnarrative, but maybe that's <laughs> part of why it works as w- as well as it ended up doing.
2: Yeah, you know, harkening back to what we were saying earlier about like you could make a Telltale series out of anything. If, if you can do it out of a sandbox game like Minecraft. Uh, but I, and plus, it was so insanely popular at that time too that I think people were just sort of eating up any content. Um, Especially, especially kids.
0: On a on a sales level, is Minecraft Season One the best selling Telltale game, or maybe Wolf, uh, or uh, Walking Dead? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if which
2: one of those if if Minecraft surpassed Walking Dead. I I want to say that it did. Um, yeah. But I'm not hundred percent on that.
0: That makes sense. It does. I, I would imagine that um it could be it could be either one. Yeah, it was because a-
1: like Walking Dead was pretty it, it was like super well received, but Minecraft is like the biggest gaming IP in the world.
2: Yes. It was immediately... I think, you know, for Walking Dead took a little while to sort of you know, once it was out there and people realized what it was and um whereas Minecraft was just, you know. As soon as it was released, just the name Minecraft, you know, people just mm. sold instantly. Uh, right. There was definitely a drop off, you know, though, as things went from the Adventure Act, to, and season two, was definitely, you know, sold nowhere near what season one did. Uh,
0: so was, like, speaking of these different licenses, uh, what was like? We we had some fun earlier, just <laughs> yelling names of shows at you. Um, but what what would the process be in terms of getting everyone on board at the studio into... Because uh... I imagine that Minecraft was a tough sell to some people. It, it would be hard to imagine how this game would end up looking or working before right. actually seeing the finished product.
2: Yeah, it was... You know... <laughs> I think uh, people didn't know what to expect. I don't think people... Thought it would be as successful um, as it was, uh, but there was there was definitely a, a, a long sort of incubation period, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, where things were kind of taken in different directions. There's a lot of sort of prototyping and you know tr- trying to nail the the feel of you know what's true in the in the Minecraft universe. Um, and even even as we got underway with episode one, it was still a a, a lot of feel out process such that um the writers, the team I, I remember that was that you know was starting on episode two uh while we were still kind of getting one together, it was a little bit there was a little bit of struggle there where they kind of weren't aligned with the style and tone of what we were arriving at. So episode two had to get a complete rewrite as well. And in that one there was a little bit of delay in the development on that one. Mm. So it was oh, like, wow. I was like, "All right, we finally figured out what this game is. So uh, let's let's completely rewrite episode two. Again.
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I think the first four episodes all came out within like two and a half months of each other. Okay. A very um, oh. like, compared to the oh, yeah. ser- series, like a very compressed release <laughs> period. Yeah, like you like,
2: mean? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there was, due to the, the nature of the content, I think it was, uh, dare I say, a, a tad easier to uh, to produce and make. Um, but I could have sworn there was a bit of a gap between one and two, I thought, but maybe I'm mistaken.
0: Uh, I easily could be, too. That's fair. It, it, maybe we're both wrong, and then that'll be how the listener chooses to interpret this. Just like the games, it's up to your own interpretation and choices about how it goes. <laughs> Right. That
2: was always a big emphasis, though, by, you know, our, our CEO and kind of studio leadership. I was like, uh, Cadence was something that was always pushed for. You know, they didn't want, obviously, a lot of time uh, in between episodes for people to kind of lose interest or get a little out of touch with what choices they made previously. Um, so there's definitely, yes, that, that ticking clock was always there of, you know, we need to get this out.
0: Um here's here's a question you very well might not be able to answer, so feel free to defer it. Um this is one of the telltale games that is no longer available for purchase just about anywhere. It was on Netflix for a while and now it's not there anymore either. Um Who 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 do Angry fans need to write to on Twitter? Who's the who's the decision holder there?
2: Um William Gates. Uh, <laughs> uh, Microsoft in uh, Washington, um, but they're they're the ones who own the uh, the license. It was kind of uh, you know so they Telltale had to kind of work with Mo- Mojang and then also Micro- Microsoft uh, um, when uh, to develop these games. And I think I think uh, the license is reverted back to Microsoft. So um, yeah, it is all there. Strategic.
0: okay well <laughs> draft your tweets everyone <laughs> get them all put together um unless we have anything else about the episode proper to talk about uh why don't we head into our segments uh, i i do love them segments you like them segments dustin yeah. oh i
1: love those segments
0: well, uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about some of our favorite things, from our favorite moments, to our favorite characters, into to our favorite uh, choices. So Varum, uh, I, I did not brief you on this, so I apologize for that. Um, but if you if you catch what we're doing, feel free to play along. Our golden moment is first up. Dustin, what was your favorite moment of the episode? Episode?
1: So my golden moment of the episode, uh, this made me laugh very hard. It's after you find out that uh, Hadrian has kidnapped Axel and Olivia, uh, but then he says he has a third friend of yours uh, and, he, and he very uh evilly says, "Reuben." and then it it kind of keeps Reuben in the in the shadows and Jesse's like, "Reuben. And uh for for a second there I thought did they really bring back this pig? But then no it t- it turns out it's just someone uh, totally unrelated also named Reuben.
0: That's a good moment. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or... <laughs> um I thought that was great and Reuben's just
0: like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm a Reuben." <laughs> oh, we we um we had heard from a third party a rumor about, um, I believe, Eric Sturpey, Dustin, and his relationship with Ruben, and the the Netflix version of the game that uh, we would love to get that confirmed or denied. Were there plans to have a change for the Netflix version of this game to be able to save Ruben the pig? Oh. Yeah, you know,
2: that was... uh... That, that whole Reuben death thing in uh was a very highly controversial uh decision even in the studio at the time it was the studio was very torn um, and was, a lot of people were against that idea you know people leads on the project and everything but um you know it was something our, our CEO felt very strongly about um I, I remember to quote him you know he was like in justifying it he was like this This moment will resonate with a lot of a lot of kids, like you know, the passing tragedy of Reuben and you know as they grow up like we'll, we'll they'll appreciate it more and we'll essentially win a lot of fans uh, because of this. <laughs> and wow, but a lot of, but it was an unpopular decision so so much that yes, uh, I think it was explored to uh, yeah, the idea of bringing being able to save him. Um, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how that, why that didn't happen or
0: pan out. It's so funny when he poofs into a pork chop though. That So it's, <laughs> it's interesting that it was, it was it, like an emotionally resonant moment when, um, yeah, I,
2: I actually got to, uh, the, the scene, uh, that whole scene when Jesse, uh, and Ruben go inside the wither and, uh, destroy it ultimately and where ruben is falls like i that was essentially one of the set pieces I, I designed and i sort of made the all the cinematics for that um and cool. i remember the uh executive producer just walking by shaking his head at me and calling calling me like a, a henchman or a, a henchman
0: <laughs> as i was killing ruben <laughs> I, I like such a villain in my own studio so Oh wow! So you did you did the poof you did the poof into the pork chop the 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 sort of after death scene uh,
2: that that was actually uh, another uh, another artist and writer who, who did it, who did it well but uh, yeah I, I was more see right, right up until you know his actual action death that was me I
0: I think that I, is probably one of the uh, the most iconic moments from the series altogether.
2: <laughs> the, the, pork the pork chop poof the
0: <laughs> well everything just involving ruben's death in, in that yeah, kind of yeah. area especially that whole area
1: in the witherstorm looks great as well
0: oh oh
2: right No, thank you yeah we had we had a lot of uh, fun um designing that my uh uh my comrade Grady standard he was a, a co-designer on that so uh um yeah it was, uh, they kind of let us run wild on that one. I think I recall uh, not sleeping and working through an entire weekend uh, on that one. So. Oh, <laughs> but it was, oh, wow. it was a labor of love. So, uh, <laughs> you don't get me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't a labor of hate. And then also you have to work <laughs> through the nights. Yeah, that, that's that's much worse. <laughs> that Yeah, that can also happen. <laughs> um, my. My golden moment uh, was was just the dorms, the dorm sequence where you're uh, talking with them and you're hanging out with the, with Nell and other all the other competitors.
1: Yeah, that, just getting to know them all. Like I said, the cast in this episode is just so strong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: yeah. I don't want to spoil things, but uh, you might you might encounter one or two <laughs> in season two. You know.
0: Oh. <laughs> you know well, uh, well. Now we'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Did> Podcast <laughs> yeah. We were just you were a little. Quit were at, <laughs> we were on the fence. We were going to quit at 100 of 140. So <laughs> now we'll actually just you know bite the final bite of the cookie. Uh, Varum, do you have a golden moment? I think I sort of already revealed
2: mine. The uh, Igor underwear. Sure. Um, great nice.
0: choice that's a great choice
2: yeah yeah that has to be my
0: that's a great I, I love that um, all of the costume changes that happen throughout this game including the Ivor one but also all of the armor choices that, that Jesse gets they're persistent they, they really stay around um, that's cool it, it just yeah. gives you a little feeling of um, reality within this world
2: yeah even uh getting to don uh tim's armor
0: at the end yeah oh yeah definitely very tim <laughs> it's so tim so tim of you. um how about our weekly guy uh i'll 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 go first here mine might be the idea of tim i don't know if this counts uh Uh, just the concept of Tim if it doesn't count and and I'll I'll leave it up to you two to decide if it should count Uh, I like Otto a lot we didn't talk about Otto at all but he's the one of the old builders sort of on the panel of these games who is not interested in rigging them so much so that like his only passion is just staying by the book and and, uh, just being a rulesmith of the games I like that character choice
1: yeah, the other two old builders being Otto and uh is her name's pronounced Mavia? Or Mavia. Mavia. Uh played by Kari Walgren, who's a favorite of mine. Uh yeah, they're both great. Uh I like having I like that two of them are just full on shitheads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like just no reasoning with these two. Uh but I'm glad Otto was there as well.
2: Yeah, you gotta have the straight man to play off of, right?
0: Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of how zoos sometimes will raise a cheetah in captivity with a dog. And it's just like like a your really big, aggressive friend, just with a smaller, calm friend, just saying, Hey, man, it's cool. You don't need to... Yeah, don't worry about it. You don't it. need to eat the zookeeper right now. I'm just a, yeah, I'm a dog friend. Calm down. <laughs> Otto feels a little bit like that. That's a weird... Yeah. I don't know why that was the <laughs> connection. Oh, I get it. I get it. It's perfect. Well, thank you, Dustin. You know what? I thought it was perfect. Um, who are your weekly guys?
1: Uh, So I actually have a tie for my weekly guys. I just could not choose between two of them. So as soon as he showed up, Facemate made Face quite... is good. He, he was a great one. My favorite thing about him was that... He, so he he shows up and he's kind of like a meathead guy. He talks in the first person, but he's he's not like dumb. He's not like meathead want fight. He's, he speaks normally. He just refers to him. He chooses to refer to himself in the first person, which is great.
0: He he is good. Who's your other uh, in the tie?
1: Nell, I thought was great. I just love characters who are like, whoa, dude. Yeah, you're like so cool. Uh, I
0: think Nell is a Dustin-esque character.
1: Nell's great. It it it's so hard to choose between these two. I would totally love a game that's just like if if you didn't want to use the already established characters, you could set up a whole new team with like uh Nell and M and uh face meet and you got a lovable ragtag bunch.
2: Uh that would be a fun crew. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the gladiators, because yeah, we didn't really talk about them, but uh yeah, they're all all hilarious in their own way. Yeah,
1: so yeah. I, I, I forgot the concept of the gladiators is pretty important. They're kind of the guys. So the competitors in these fights aren't necessarily the ones killing one another. I mean, they do from time to time, but it really is the gladiators going after them that are causing the most mayhem and death.
2: Yeah, they're the the true enforcers of uh for Hadrian. Um, but yet, you know, but, but it turns out they they have feelings too. And they're, and they're people that's as big of a brute as Slab is in particular. He's, oh yeah. Love, Slab's great. I love the moment later when they, you know, it's kind of subverting things when, uh, Jesse kind of shows him, you know, the, the, the wrong, the, the evil ways of Hadrian and, and, uh, kind of wins him over. But then Slab's like, wait a sec, like, you weren't very nice to me either. Like, and, uh, calls Jesse out, um. Uh, I was like, wow, he's yeah. a sensitive guy.
0: He is a sensitive guy. And he was reading his book really slow because he likes to take it all in. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I like that choice for him a lot. Um, uh, Varm, do you have a weekly guy? Um, yeah,
2: you know, I guess I, I would have to say uh slab, you know, he was, he was my guy. <laughs>
0: slab was <is> great.
2: <laughs>
0: so dynamic. one line
1: of his, I really like, uh, when they're when they're standing up to the old builders, and he says, uh, "I won't work for bosses who use people and manipulate people." That's inconsiderate.
0: <laughs> He's right.
1: Yeah, I'm, I can't fault him.
0: Um, okay, and our final segment is the choice cut, our favorite or most interesting choice that we had to make throughout the episode, and I. If- think i'm giving it to telling the the people about whether or not tim is real
1: yeah that's also mine it just has to be
0: it's a, it's a good one um do you do you concur varam um yeah
2: there were some other interesting choices uh you know ones at the end too like do you what do you do with m do you let her come along with you yeah um you know i'm not gonna say uh <laughs> that may or may not pay off at all um but, uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I i i agree that that telling him about tamar definitely you know that one uh it was such a dead even sort of choice where you could justify either side and so uh,
1: yeah those really are some of my favorite uh, telltale choices. Ones where I really have to pause and think about it and weigh my options.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we did this one. We did the series immediately after the Walking Dead was shown, which um, surprisingly similarly had some of the, the the choices that I I had to pause the game and just really think through. Which one I was going to choose, which I felt it like is cheating a little little bit. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, the, if you put a timer on it, I'm gonna feel like I part of the choice is the instinctualness of it. And I was just right. giving myself more time. I'm, I'm a dirty little cheater like that.
2: <laughs> if only
0: you can do that in life, huh? If only. <laughs> if only. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. You you are sort of breaking out of the. Uh... The intent there to kind of get grab people at their impulse, but you know, I I don't fault you for that. You know, as uh, you play as you like.
0: Well, thank you. I, w- I was afraid, but uh uh <laughs> <laughs> um, you to storm off right now. But you know, so. <laughs> uh, I I got to say the one that the choice in this season that really got me the most was in episode six where you can choose to throw down Cassie Rose's cat to her, um, to just have her be stuck underground with a cat forever, <laughs> like an Egyptian pharaoh. And just that's just the choice, because you're leaving her down there no matter what. Just, are yeah. you going to condemn this cat to also be there? What an interesting <laughs> choice. I don't know if I've ever done anything like that in a video game.
2: <laughs> that's great. I actually... uh. Yeah, I could say I, I definitely collaborated heavily on the, the ending of that one. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, yes, that was uh, <laughs> when we realized that could be a choice. It, you know, that was a fun <laughs> one. But sort of great as well.
0: Yeah, so, some of the most interesting choices never have to be. Um, I mean, it's great if they impact future storylines in one way or another. I think that. That is part of the the appeal of a telltale video game. But some of the ones that don't or at least feel at the time like they don't, like, should she just have a cat underground? That's something to think about. that's <laughs> that's a unique choice in and of itself that I've never had to think about before in a video. One game. of the ramifications do you do you bury this <laughs> this woman with her favorite cat just because she wants to die with the cat? The cat could live and i but but also has no say in the matter it has no say in it and yeah the cat doesn't seem to want to do this
2: (laughs) yeah and that cat sort of uh it wasn't sort of originally part of the story but as we as we built it it sort of took on uh you know its own character had it had uh its moments there during the uh that pivotal scene at the end so you did sort of Get, get a little attached to it. I mean, that choice was always just meant to be, you know, showing a bit of mercy to um, Cassie Rose or not, but yeah, because that cat took on life of its own, it's interesting that for you you're, you're more concerned about the well-being of the cat. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, because I <laughs> I feel like if I had mercy for her, I might um, try to save her in some way, but if this, if this... <laughs> I think the immediate thought I had was just like, well, can the cat get away? Is is the cat gonna can cats beat endermites? I don't know the Minecraft lore on uh which animal is stronger, an Endermite or a cat. <laughs> it's a good could, question. It could go either way. Um so that's been our episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Varm. It's been Thank an you. absolute treat. Oh yeah, likewise. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say about either the episode or working at Telltale in general or where our listeners can find you if they're interested in doing so? Well,
2: um... Yeah, I mean, uh... I'm I'm easily found if you uh, look me up on uh, any of the usual sites. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean... I could go on, really, uh, with plenty of stories from... uh, from from back in the day but uh yeah i think uh i will say i appreciate uh what you guys are doing and and how you're experiencing uh these episodes um and as i mentioned to you guys before we got on there earlier that um you know after not having watched this this episode since we shipped it seven years ago it was sort of a treat for me really to uh, being so removed from it to kind of just sort of enjoy it almost like a fan again, um, with all the fog of war kind of, uh, removed and, uh, made me appreciate that much more that you guys are sort of, um, curating this, this whole, uh, telltale experience for people. So thank, thank you very much.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. We're, we're so glad to, um, especially for the ones like these that are no longer able to be purchased independently. If you, uh, aren't interested in, in spending a little bit of cash on a used um either console disc or maybe a, a a black market gray market really gray market steam key uh let's protect our bases sometimes they're gray market and not black market That's true <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's right. uh so I I'm, I'm just glad that uh, this this kind of stuff isn't disappearing to the ether entirely we're leaving some footprints on the beach a little bit. Uh, And yeah. So thank you so much for being here. If you catch wind that we're about to do an episode in the future that uh, you have any kind of particular attachment to, we'd love to have you back anytime. Definitely. Uh, I believe the next for, for both your information and the listeners uh, information, we are headed into the game of Thrones series next. We're not going completely chronologically. We kind of jump around a little bit. Although yeah. we will eventually do everything, so Game of Thrones is next.
2: I was wondering uh, the uh, method to your madness. What? <laughs> how do you go about the order? Is it just completely arbitrary, or you just get sick of one IP and then go to another?
0: Um, there's there's some element of like light chronology. We, for example, we ha- um I think we felt the need to do all of Sam and Max and then sort of do the ramp up to walking dead because that changed the way the games were designed with, uh, I think we called back to the future and then Jurassic park and then walking dead kind of like a road to the walking dead. Right. And then after that, we've gone roughly chronologically ish, mm-hmm. um, post walking dead as well. But, um a lot of stuff has has been thrown around here and there. Like we started with Salmon Max season one, when then we had to go back to the pre-Salmon Max stuff, like Texas Hold'em and Bone. Um Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if there is a reason <laughs> other than starting the podcast, it felt good to start on on something that we both knew very well with Salmon Max. Yeah. And then it's difficult sometimes to record episodes based on some of the more difficult to play games like CSI. So that forced our, our scheduling hand a little bit. We have one more CSI game to to do as well. So that might happen pretty soon. Looking forward to it. I am I am looking forward to, to that. We've got some more uh, Lawrence Fishburne stuff in there.
1: Right. I mean, I hear it's the good one.
0: Okay. Well, uh, thank you for listening, listener at home. And thank you for being us with us here today, Varam. And until next time, have a great summer. Have a great summer, you guys.